What's really funny is if, uh, I'll let you ask Pastor this, but you ask him how many church services he has been in with his Bible in his lap and the live stream uh, playing on his phone uh, while he's away. Um, he, and, and I get this, but he struggles still to be away, though. Like, it, it's, he still wants to know what's going on. He gets on the cameras and sees if you're here. Um, I think he sometimes he's checking to make sure I'm here, but um, anyway, uh, but anyway, Acts chapter four tonight. So we've been looking at the book of Acts. We've been looking at Peter and John, and God has given Peter two opportunities to preach or to witness. The first one was in chapter three to a single crippled man. Peter and John, they're walking into the temple. They see this beggar, this crippled man on the ground, and he's begging for money, and they witness to him. He gets healed, and he gets saved, and after he gets healed, he's up jumping around praising the Lord, and all the people that, that are there at the temple at the hour of prayer are like, what is, what's going on? They know who this guy is. They know he was a cripple, but now he's up, and he's running and jumping around. So they come over to see what's going on, and they begin to ask Peter and John. So Peter takes this second opportunity, and he starts preaching to the multitude. And now this multitude is listening to Peter preach, and Peter's preaching. And the next thing you know, the Sanhedrin and the temple leaders and the priests and everybody, they're getting kind of upset. And so they come over, and it picks up in chapter 4. It says in verse 1, And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the certain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. It says, and they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. So it's getting late in the day, and these temple leaders, these religious leaders come over, and they grab Peter and John, and they throw them in jail. And they say, hey, we'll deal with you tomorrow. It's time to go home. So they throw them in jail. But notice what it says in verse 5, or verse 4. It says, how be it, many of them which heard the word believed. And the number of men was about 5,000. So here, Peter and John take the first opportunity. They witness to this single man, this cripple, and he gets saved. Then they begin to preach to the crowd that assembles, and 5,000 men get saved. And now they spend the night in jail. And that brings us to verse number 5. It says, And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as of were the, of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. Here, Peter is presented with yet a third opportunity to witness and preach Jesus. But notice the progression. He starts off with, that, with a single crippled man. This crippled man couldn't do anything for Peter. He didn't have anything to offer. He didn't benefit Peter. This man was a castaway of society. Yet Peter witnesses to him, and that man gets saved. And through that event, it creates yet even a bigger opportunity for Peter, which he takes, and 5,000 people get saved. Which creates an, a, a third opportunity for Peter, which gets him thrown in jail. But the next day, Peter finds himself standing in front of the Jewish religious leaders of that day. And my thought, the thought that I want you to think about is this. You have no idea where your opportunities will take you and what God is preparing for you to do. You have no idea. 
But when we refuse or we neglect our opportunities, we will miss out on greater opportunities. Does that make sense? God wants you to take advantage of the opportunities you have. You say, well, you know, it's just a guy standing at the corner at Walmart. No, it's not just a guy standing at the corner at Walmart. He might be a castaway of society, but you witnessing to that one man might give you a greater opportunity one day. God seeing your faithfulness and your willingness to, to, uh, to witness for him and, and to share God's truth with somebody might cause God to give you a greater opportunity. And I am convinced in my own life that I miss opportunities because I don't take the opportunities God gives me. Take the opportunities God gives you because you have no idea what doors those opportunities are going to open. You have no clue. But not only does, Paul, does Peter have a third opportunity here, but, but I want you to notice the intimidation. Notice here, is, here are Peter and John, two guys. They're standing in this courtroom or, or whatever this room looks like. And here come the rulers, the elders, the scribes, Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander. This is intimidation. I would imagine that when these guys enter the room, it's not like they, I would imagine there's some kind of pomp and circumstance. I'm sure it's like, all rise. And they come in and they're dressed in their garb and they're in their garments and, and they're dressed for this event. And I think there was some level of intimidation here for Peter and John. They're just two fishermen. They're just two dudes who used to sit on a boat and catch fish. And now they're standing in front of the top guys for Israel. Do you realize that's how the world treats us as Christians? You're just regular folk. You don't matter. And the world will try to intimidate you. Have you ever felt intimidated or felt like, I don't want to say not worthy, but have you ever felt like, you, you didn't have the answers for a specific person? Have you ever felt intimidated trying to witness to somebody? I think a lot of you know who Ken Ham is. Answers in Genesis, built the ark, did all of, you know, the creation museum. Um, if you ever get a chance, go on YouTube and look up when he debates Bill Nye the science guy. Now, I'm going to be real honest with you. It's going to aggravate you because Bill Nye is very arrogant. Bill Nye is very cocky and condescending towards, uh, towards Ken Ham. But um, when you watch that, what you will find is Bill Nye tries to intimidate Ken Ham. Uh, a while back, I was watching a video on YouTube, and it was two pastors debating two evolutionists. And uh, one had written a book, and the other one, I think, was a professor. And it was amazing to watch them get red in the face, these evolutionists yell and scream and rant and rave while the two pastors simply stood up, gave their arguments, and sat down. But it was intimidation. And listen, the world will come at you with their big words, and, the wor and they'll come at you with science, and they'll come to you with all, all their answers to intimidate you as a Christian. Listen, don't back down. Don't be intimidated. Don't be afraid to stand up for God and to answer and to witness for Jesus Christ. Don't let yourself be intimidated and don't miss your opportunities. So guess what? Peter doesn't, Peter doesn't miss this opportunity. And in verse 7, 
they asked Peter, they say, and when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have ye done this? I find this question awesome. They asked two things. By what power and what name have you healed this man? And Peter's going to tell them exactly by what power and what name they healed that man, or that man was healed. And the answer is Jesus. By the power of Jehovah God and by the name of Jesus, this man stands and is healed. And I, I would have liked to have been there to see their jaws hit the ground. I would have loved to have seen the shock on their face when Peter answers them and tells them just how this man was healed. But notice verse 8, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole. I don't know if there's sarcasm in Peter's voice. I'm pretty sure there would have been in mine. But in verse number nine, Peter pretty much says, so since we're on trial for doing something good, since you're seeking to punish us for doing something helpful and beneficial for this crippled man, How many of you kids have ever been, have ever gotten in trouble and you thought what you were getting in trouble for was kind of absurd? How many of you go to, well, I've asked our teens this before, but how many of you kids go to school and you have teachers with rules that are dumb? Dale. So I asked the teenagers that a, few, a couple weeks ago and uh, we, we were talking about justice. And so I was asking about rules that they have at school, and one of the kids told me that in their history class, they are not allowed to say Canada. <laughs> you cannot say the word Canada. Uh, another kid, I think, told me that they get in trouble if you sneeze more than three times in class. What? I don't know. Um, I think one of them said you get in trouble if you ask if you go to go to the bathroom or something. I don't know. I don't know what it was. But anyway, they were going through just ridiculous rules. But listen, sometimes as adults, the truth is, is we make kind of dumb rules. We do. And here, Peter is, I think Peter's kind of like, really? We're here in this room with all of you guys because we healed a guy? That's really why we're here today? So you know what Peter says? Fine. I'll answer your question. I'll, I'll give you the answer. You're not going to like it, but I'll give you the answer. So in verse 10, he says, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. And I think their jaw hit the floor. Jesus, we just got rid of that guy. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. This is the same group of men that were walking among the people saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. They thought they got rid of this guy. Oh, no, you didn't get rid of him. You didn't get rid of Jesus. 
Verse 11 says, this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. A few things I want you to think about when it comes to this answer that, uh, that Peter gives. Number one, Peter saw the opportunity. Listen, we have to pay attention in life and see our opportunity. One thing, I, uh, Mrs. Meshke, I think it was, was talking about watching football. I enjoy watching football. I enjoy college a lot more than I do pro, but I enjoy watching football. But have you, have you ever been watching a football game and they hand the ball off to the running back and the running back will, will begin to run, but instead of just like plowing into the line, have you ever seen where a running back, it's kind of like he stutters, like he pauses. And then all of a sudden a gap opens up and he'll run through that gap and he's gone. And have you ever heard an announcer talk about the running back's patience? A patient running back? You ever seen the guy get the ball handed off to him and he starts to run and he'll put his hand out like on his blocker's hip. You ever seen that? And he'll follow that blocker and he'll patiently work his way through those gaps and try to get up the field. What's he doing? He's looking for those opportunities. He's looking for those holes. And listen, in our daily life, we have to watch out, look out for those opportunities. We have to be paying attention and be patient and watch for those opportunities. Not only do we have to look for opportunities, but we have to be filled with the Holy Ghost. It says Peter in verse eight, filled with the Holy Ghost. Listen, you can't answer properly in your own strength. You can't debate, argue, give answers, and try to convince somebody in your own strength. You need the Holy Spirit to help you. What's really interesting is Jesus told his disciples in Luke chapter 21, verses 12 through 15, this. He said, but before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my namesake. Does this sound like Acts chapter four? Yes. Notice what he says, and it shall turn to you for a testimony. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever look at your opportunities or the events throughout your day as an opportunity for your testimony? Many times we look at situations, we look at circumstances, we look at people, whatever it might be, we look at it, at it as an inconvenience. And here Jesus tells his disciples, it will be an opportunity for your testimony. We've got to change our perspective. But he says in verse 14, he says, settle it therefore in your hearts not to meditate before what ye shall answer. You ever had a conversation in your own heart? Well, if they say this, then I'll say this. And, you know, if, if, they, if they act this way, then I'll act this way. And, you know, if they go down this road, then, well, then I'll go down this road. Have you ever had that conversation before you've actually had the conversation? How many of you kids do that with your parents? Yeah, I'm going to go ask mom if I can do this. And, you know, if she asks this question, if she says no, well, then I'll bring up this. And if they say this, and, then, and we go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Jesus says, don't do that. Jesus says, when you get thrown in prison and you're brought before the rulers and you're asked be before you do not meditate, don't try and plan what you're going to say. Why? Verse 15. For I will give you a mouth. For I will give you wisdom. Which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. What a promise. What a promise. Here Jesus says, listen, don't try and formulate a plan. 
Don't try to put A, B, and C together. Listen, when you get there, I will tell you what to say. I will give you the wisdom to know what to say and how to say it. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Listen, we need God to lead us when we witness, when we answer, when we speak with people concerning the Lord. We need God's help. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. Not only that, he was respectful. Notice verse 9. Um, I'm sorry, verse 8. He says, ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel. Do you realize that in, in culture, there is a certain level of decorum? Do you realize that? Do you realize when you go, if you are in a court of law, you can be held in contempt? You, they are going to make sure that you show a certain level of respect. You can't walk into a courtroom and just stand up and rant and rave and run around and yell and scream at everybody. There's a certain level of decorum. And listen, just because as a Christian we have the truth doesn't give us permission to be rude, mean, hateful, ugly, or whatever, or treat people poorly. In fact, if we do that, we're probably going to ruin our opportunity. And so we have to maintain a certain level of decorum. I'm not saying we water down truth or that we don't tell the truth like it is because Peter's about to be, get real pointed. Peter's about to throw it right in their face. But we still have to maintain that certain level of mutual respect and graciousness with people. We have to maintain that. Listen, you can say what you want. You can say what you want. But if you were going to sit down with President Biden, good old Governor Pelosi, or anybody else, that conversation ain't going to last very long unless you maintain some level of decorum. It's not. And how do I say this? For some, your conversation ain't going to last long. I already know it's not. But we have to maintain that if we're gonna if we're gonna get if we're gonna get our opportunity. Next thing to think about is this: make sure you understand their question. In verse nine, he repeats their question. Let me get this straight. Let me make sure I understand exactly what you guys are asking me. In spite of how dumb your question is, let me make sure I got this right. Yes, there are dumb questions. And if you're a teacher, you know there's dumb questions. I don't know whoever said there's no such thing as a dumb question, but they're dumb. That's crazy. There are dumb questions. But make sure you got the question make right. Make sure you know where you're at in the conversation. And then the next thing is this, share Jesus. That's what he does in verse 10. He simply preaches Jesus. Also in verse 10, he's pointed. Notice what he says in verse 10. He says, be it known unto you. All right, you asked. I'm going to let you, I'm going to give you the answer. Listen, when people ask you a question, don't shy away from the answer. You ask me a question, <laughs> you open the door. So here it is. Give them the answer. Don't shy away when somebody answers the door. Oh, man, what do I say? And oh, man, how do I walk through this door? And oh, how do I go about this? Don't do that. They open the door, walk right in. You can be kind. You can be gracious. But man, go through that door when they open it and be pointed. Be it known unto you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, notice this, whom 
ye crucified. Dagger to the spirit. Dagger to the heart. He goes straight for the jugular, whom ye crucified. Whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you hold. Verse 11, this is the stone which was set at naught of you. You're the ones who rejected this stone. Now, I don't have time to go into this tonight, but you can Google uh, cornerstone, and you can cross-reference in your Bible cornerstone, and you'll find that uh, illustration and that information in your Bible. But um, anyway, you can uh, study that out for yourself a little bit. But not only was he pointed, but second, but in verse 12, he gives a solution. He says, neither is there salvation in any other. He says, yes, you crucified him, and yes, you rejected this stone, but you know what? He's the way of salvation. Jesus is salvation. He's the solution. Listen, don't pe leave people hanging. Give them the solution. He says, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Not only be pointed to give them a solution, but we need to be careful when we deal with people that we don't alienate people. What do I mean by that? Notice what he says at the end of verse 12. Whereby we must be saved. The reality is, is when you're witnessing to somebody and you're dealing with somebody, you're just as wicked a sinner as they are. You and I are not better than the people we interact with. And so we might as well lump ourselves in there. There's no sense in trying to make somebody else feel like they are worse than we are, or they're more dirtier than we are, or they're lower than we are. There's no sense in that. The reality is we all need Jesus to be our Savior. We all do. And so Peter doesn't necessarily alienate them. He kind of softens the blow in verse 12 by including himself. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. So here Peter answers these guys. And so then the, the next thing that happens is they threaten him. Verse 13. Notice what it says in verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. You know, it's, it's kind of amazing how our academic world is. Like I said, if you watch that debate with Bill Nye and Ken Ham, it, it is amazing how Bill Nye treats Ken Ham and how Ken Ham treats Bill Nye. It's amazing how two totally different things. But, you know, our, our academic world treats you like you're an idiot because you don't have a degree. Who are you to talk to me? You don't have a degree. You just speak from that Bible. Sorry, man, that's all I got to give you. That's all I have to give you. The reality, though, is this. The academic world, all they have to give you is a textbook. That's all they have to give you. The truth is, is that the world functions by faith also. They don't want to admit that, and they don't want to say that, but the world functions by faith. They're believing some book, some person, something for their truth. Just like you and I walk by faith believing God's word is true. Same thing. They walk by faith too. They don't want to say that. But they do. So don't let them intimidate you. But notice this in verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John... Listen, let your boldness be obvious. Don't him and haw around. Don't sit there and, well, you know, I don't want to be rude, but 
Don't preface your statements. Let your boldness be obvious. Peter was in their face. There was a courage, there was a confidence, a boldness with Peter, and I think it shocked them. I think they were kind of like, we don't usually get talked to that way. They needed to be talked to that way. Let your boldness be obvious, but also don't let your status or your education or your abilities stop you. Notice what it says. It says, and perceive that they were unlearned and ignorant. That unlearned means unlettered, that they were not educated in the law. They hadn't gone to college and studied the law and all of that, and they weren't experts. The word um, ignorant, I believe it's the word ignorant, is the Greek word idiotes. What does that sound like? Idiot. When they realized they were uneducated and idiots is what they're saying. Listen, you don't have to have a master's degree or a doctorate to talk to people. You don't have to take every DVD, five-disc curriculum on how to witness to people to open your mouth and speak for Jesus. These guys were fishermen. They weren't college guys. They didn't have all the inroads with everybody. They weren't salesmen. They were just disciples of Jesus. And notice what it says. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, all you got to do is spend time with Jesus. That's what you need to do. You know, it's interesting. In John chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14, it says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Listen, you want to spend time with Jesus? Read this book. This is the word of God. Jesus was the living word. You want to spend time at the feet of Jesus? Get in this book. And I'll guarantee you this. When you have your opportunity and you boldly take a stand for Jesus and share Jesus with other people, God will bring this back to your memory and God will lead you to exactly what you should say. He'll give you exactly what to say. Just trust him to do it. Walking by faith. How do we do it? One step at a time. One step at a time. Listen, God's not going to give you the answer before you take that step. But listen, when you're presented with an opportunity and you step through that door by faith, God will give you the answer. God will begin to work. And God will show you exactly how to answer people as you're presented with opportunities throughout every day of your life. Don't miss your opportunities. Don't miss your opportunities. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the time to be together tonight. Thank you for those that were able to be out tonight. Lord, I pray keep us safe as we go home. I pray give each of us a wonderful week. Lord, help us to see, help me to see my opportunities 
And God, may we step out by faith and take those opportunities, opportunities to share you with the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're giving those away. All right, if anybody wants a poinsettia, you can have one, all right? Are we videoing this to see if there's any fights or anything or...